0: book v chapter seven of history of the reformation in the sixteenth century volume two by jean henri mail translated by henry beveridge this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter seven eck abandoned himself to all the intoxication of what he would fain have passed off as victory he kept tearing at luther and heaped accusation upon accusation against him He also wrote to Frederick. Like a skilful general, he wished to take advantage of the confusion which always succeeds a battle, in order to obtain important concessions from the prince. Preparatory to the steps which he meant to take against his opponent personally, he invoked the flames against his writings, even those of them which he had not read. Imploring the elector to convene a provincial council, the coarse-minded doctor exclaimed, Let us exterminate all this vermin before they multiply out of measure. Luther was not the only person against whom he vented his rage. He had the imprudence to call Melanchthon into the field. Melancthon, who was in terms of the greatest intimacy with the excellent Echolampadius, gave him an account of the discussion, and spoke of Eck in eulogistic terms. Nevertheless, the pride of the Chancellor of Ingolstadt was offended, and he immediately took up the pen against this grammarian of Wittenberg, who, it is true, said he, was not ignorant of Latin and Greek, but had dared to publish a letter in which he had insulted him dr eck melanchthon replied it is his first theological writing and displays the exquisite urbanity which characterized this excellent man laying down the fundamental principles of hermeneutics he shows that the holy scriptures ought not to be explained according to the fathers but the fathers according to the holy scriptures how often says he did not jerome commit mistakes how often augustine how often ambrose how often do they differ in opinion how often do they retract their own errors there is only one volume inspired by the spirit of heaven pure and true throughout luther it is said does not follow some ambiguous expositions of the ancients and why should he follow them when he expounds the passage of st matthew thou art peter and upon this rock i will build my church he agrees with origen who by himself alone is worth a host with augustine in his homily and ambrose in his sixth book on st luke to say nothing of others in what then you will say do the fathers contradict each other is it surprising that they should i believe in the fathers because i believe in the holy scriptures The meaning of the scripture is one, and simple, like heavenly truth herself. We arrive at it by comparing different passages together. We deduce it from the thread and connection of the discourse. There is a philosophy enjoined us in regard to the book of God, and it is to employ it as the touchstone by which all the opinions and maxims of men must be tried. It was a long time since these great truths had been so elegantly expounded the word of god was restored to its proper place and the fathers to theirs the simple method by which we ascertain the meaning of scripture was distinctly traced the word had precedence over all the difficulties and the expositions of the school melancthon furnished the answer to those who like dr eck would envelop this subject in the mists of a remote antiquity the feeble grammarian had risen up and the broad and sturdy shoulders of the scholastic gladiator had bent under the first pressure of his arm the weaker eck was the more noise he made as if his rhodomontades and accusations were to secure the victory which he had failed to obtain in debate. The monks and all the partisans of Rome re-echoing his clamour, Germany rang with invectives against Luther, who, however, remained passive. The more I see my name covered with opprobrium, said he, in finishing the expositions which he published on the propositions of Leipzig, the prouder I feel. The truth, in other words Christ, must increase, but I must decrease. The voice of the bridegroom and the bride delights me more than all this clamour dismays me. Men are not the authors of my sufferings, and I have no hatred against them. It is Satan, the prince of evil, who would terrify me. But he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. The judgment of our contemporaries is bad that of posterity, will be better. If the Leipzig discussion multiplied Luther's enemies in Germany, it also increased the number of his friends abroad. What Huss was formerly in Bohemia, you, O Martin, are now in Saxony, wrote the brothers of Bohemia to him. Wherefore, pray and be strong in the Lord. About this time, war was declared between Luther and Emser, now a professor of Leipzig. The latter addressed a letter to Dr. Zach, a zealous Roman Catholic of Prague, in which his professed object was to disabuse the Hussites of the idea that Luther was of their party. Luther could not doubt that under the semblance of defending him the learned Leipziger's real purpose was to fasten on him a suspicion of adhering to the bohemian heresy, and he resolved to tear aside the veil under which his old Dresden host was endeavouring to shroud his enmity. With this view he published a letter addressed to the Goat Emser, Emser's arms being a goat. Luther concludes with a sentiment which well delineates his own character, to love all but fear none. While new friends and new enemies thus appeared, old friends seemed to draw off from Luther, Staupitz, who had been the means of bringing the reformer out of the obscurity of the cloister of Erfurt, began to show him some degree of coolness. Luther was rising too high for Staupitz to follow him. "'You abandon me,' wrote Luther to him. "'The whole day I have been exceedingly grieved on your account, like a child just weaned and weeping for its mother. Last night,' continues the reformer, "'I dreamed of you. You were keeping aloof from me.' and I was sobbing and shedding tears. Then you gave me your hand and told me to dry up my tears, for you would return to me. The pacificator Miltitz wished to make a new attempt at conciliation. But what hold can be had on men while still under the excitement of the contest? His endeavours led to no result. He brought the famous rose of gold, but the elector did not even take the trouble to receive it in person. Frederick knew the artifices of Rome and was not to be imposed upon. End of book five, chapter seven.